Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I am Yvonne Marchese, your host. It's just me today, doing a short little show as a wrap-up, but this is the last show of this year, and we are just two days away from 2021. Wow, 2020 is coming to a close. <laughs> and what a year. Um, first of all, congratulations. If you're listening right now, you basically made it. You may be thinking, well, that's not saying much. But hey, it's a 2020 thing. The year of revised expectations. And here we are, limping and dragging ourselves across the finish line like runners in a marathon. And it may not be pretty, but we made it. And that being said, you know, just because we're turning the page on our calendar, that doesn't mean the challenges of this year are over, right? So, how do we move forward? Is there anyone else sick to death of setting New Year's resolutions only to find that three weeks into January we've abandoned our goals? So, I thought I'd talk today about taking a look at the past year and moving forward into the next. Um, Over the past couple of years, as I round the bend from one year to the next, I've been sitting down with a journal and I take a little time to look at the past year and ask myself some questions. And I wanna share them with you here because it's a process that's proven to be really helpful for taking stock of the year and giving me a sense of putting that year to bed and acknowledging what went well and what was disappointing and basically just looking at the year with a sort of bird's eye view. You know, it really helps me to get perspective so I can think about how I want to move forward. And maybe you could try this too. So um, first question I ask myself is what went well? And then I make a list of as many things as I can think of, aiming for at least 10. And then I make a list of the things that I'm grateful for. Again, aiming for at least 10, but, you know, don't stop there. Go hog wild. Just go for it. Keep writing down every little thing you're grateful for. Um, The next thing you can do yourself, you can do yourself. I don't know what I'm saying here. The next thing you can do is ask yourself, what lessons did you learn this year? Like, and by that, I mean, what do you know about yourself this year that you didn't know last year? Or, you know, maybe you already knew something about yourself, but now it's extra clear. It's uh, hindsight's 2020, the year 2020, right? Um, So we may have some extra clarity this year on what we're capable, capable of, what, you know, what kind of resilience we have. Um, You know, something I wrote in a journal a couple of years ago, I was looking back, is that one lesson I learned is that if I don't exercise in the morning, it ain't happening. And uh, another thing I've learned this year is that I am courageous and stronger than I think. And frankly, I think that's true for all of us. We are a resilient bunch of people, aren't we? So another fun one, this, this is actually really cool, is to think about who you feel like you need to thank. 
So what you do here is you make a list of the people who helped get you through this year in some way, shape, or form. Like who called or emailed to check on you? Who called to say, hey, I'm getting groceries. What do you need? Did anyone send you some text, you know, a text just to make you laugh or a meme or something like that? Um, For now, just get the list down on paper. And then once you have that list, think about sending those people a thank you note. Let them know what they did for you and what kind of a difference it made in your life. Um, There's this guy, I wish I could remember his name. He has a a thing he does, it's called the Gratefulness Project. And he started doing this many, many years ago where he writes a thank you note a day. and I guess the, the change that it's made in his life has been, of course, tremendous. Uh, yeah. Anyway, gosh, I wish I could remember his name right now. So anyway. Um, okay, here's another one. Oh, this is a good one. Who do you need to forgive? And here's a hint. It could be yourself. Are you down on yourself because you didn't accomplish something during lockdown? Like... You didn't learn a language or something ridiculous. This is the time to do as Elsa would do and let it go, my friend. Forgive yourself or think about some slight that somebody did or, you know, anything and see if you can find a way to let it go. Um, This one is really fun. Make a list of what energizes you. Like, what did you do this year that was fun and made you feel good? And not just in a temporary way, like eating a cookie or drinking a glass of wine, as we have all done, but, you know, in a way that fueled you. So for me, that was going to the beach as often as we could during the summer. Um, We did some kayaking and uh, especially fun for me, paddle boarding. That was my best, uh, best, best birthday gift for my husband this year and I will tell you it was all I could do at first to stand up on that board oh and by the way my paddleboard is an inflatable paddleboard because I don't have anywhere to store a large paddleboard and uh so so the thing is it's a gigantic pain in the ass to pump it up every time I use it but I tell you the minute I hit the water all my frustrations of the day and all my worries would just seem to fall away instantly. And every day was different depending on, you know, if it was low tide or high tide or if it was windy or calm. So every day the challenge was different. Some days were easy. Some days were hard. But every day that I went, the effort was worth it. And it energized me for sure. Um, so think about what you did that was that felt like that for you and you know, maybe what you want more of next year. Okay, so on to the next. Ah, um, uh, yes. What moments are you most proud of? And a good way to dig into this one could be to go back and think about a challenging moment as we all had them this year and think about how you responded to that successfully. And, and, and it, it may not have been successful in the exact moment, but somehow or another, I'm guessing you got past that. Um, so think about that. What, what moments are you, are you most proud of? Um, and a nice compliment to that question is this one. 
what are three things that you accomplished this year and how did it make you feel to accomplish those things? Come on, take a minute and give yourself credit. It could be, you don't have to look for something huge here. You accomplished things. I know you did. Don't push your accomplishments aside like they don't matter. If you set some goals at the beginning of the year, this is on the flip side of things. Did you meet your goals? And you might have mixed answer to this question. Um, For me, I met some of them, like launching this podcast and managing to get it out into the world every week. Yay! But there were some other goals that were definite fails. And I'm not going to get into those right now. Not ready. Um, If there are goals that you didn't meet, what do you think held you back? For me, uh, it always seems to go back to time management issues and issues with setting boundaries. Sometimes when I set goals, I forget to make sure to clear the time to take steps towards those goals. And I'm learning that I need to draw boundaries and say no to certain things. You know, they say that when you say yes to something, you're automatically saying no to something else. So I want to become more intentional about the projects I take on. So yeah, I think that's pretty much the list. Um, Maybe go back to this later and sit down with a journal and ask yourself the same questions, like write them down. Um, I do like to occasionally go back and look at what I wrote down last year and maybe the year before. And you know, you you don't always want to be looking in the rearview mirror, but I think it can be really helpful to occasionally make the time to take stock of the past year or the year before maybe. Um, And so that I can really think about what I value as I make plans for the coming year. And speaking of the coming year, (laughs) you might be thinking, how the hell am I going to make plans when everything is still so unsettled? You know, that's something that I've been grappling with this year. We've all, we all have. Um, I've been grappling with it as I've started to try, you know, I started to try breaking down my goals into 90-day goals instead of goals for the year. So they're a little more bite-sized. And I know it's a bit of a paradox to make plans when there's so much uncertainty. But if you think about it, really, the future is always uncertain. So why not make some plans and take those baby steps with the full knowledge that we're going to have to adjust our plans as we move forward. And that being said, what if we were to make commitments to taking certain actions instead of setting goals that have some randomly assigned outcome? And I'll explain what I'm getting to. Um, First of all, I have to take a minute to thank Tara McMullen of What Works um, I know I've mentioned that before on the podcast, so if you've listened before, it's a, a membership group that I'm a part of. I listen to her podcast, which is called What Works, and um, what she's been diving into this year and kind of taking us all along with her on this journey is going down the path of embracing uncertainty while planning for the future. Um, in fact, 
you know, I'm going to give her a plug right now for a program she offers called the Leadership Dashboard. Um, I think it's like $49 to buy this. It's like a template you can follow. Um, I'm a member of her What Works membership group, and it, it's part of that. And I've participated in this program a couple of times. And even though it's designed for small business owners as a system for like flexible planning and task management and personable, personal accountability, um, it's been fantastic for me on a personal level as well. Um, if you want to know more, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And by the way, I'm not an affiliate in any way. I don't make money from the recommendation. I've just really found it to be a game changer. Um, so anyway, I'm trying something new this year as I think about what I want to accomplish in the coming months. If you're like me, you've probably tried a lot of different goal setting methods. Um, this year, I'm interested in playing with two different types of goal setting methods, um, smart goals and packed goals. So, okay, I'll explain the difference as I understand it. The more traditional goal setting method is the SMART framework, S-M-A-R-T. And forgive me if this is old hat to you, but it's fairly new to me. And I'm going to break it down real quick. SMART goals are S is specific. M is measurable, A is achievable, R is relevant, and T is timely. So here's a breakdown of how to use the SMART goal framework. Um, we might be tempted to say that uh, my goal is to be healthier, but what does that mean? We have to be specific. So let's say we've put on some extra pounds this year. I have. So just as an example, let's make a SMART goal out of losing weight. You could decide, I will lose 7% of my body weight in three months. Um, it's specific, measurable, attainable, and time-bound. That's good. But we're missing one. Is it relevant? Right now, I'm confident that I have a SMAT goal, but... What does it mean for the goal to be relevant? It means that it needs to be motivating for you. Why are you setting that goal? Is it because your doctor told you you have to? Is it because you want to look like you used to look when you were younger? Is it because you want to be able to do activities you currently can't do because of your weight? Um, what has real meaning for you? If it's really motivating and relevant, you have a much higher chance of reaching that goal. So it's worth digging into why you want to achieve a goal. Um, so then on the other hand, I was recently introduced to the idea of packed goals as an alternative to SMART goals. So packed is P-A-C-T. Um, I found an article by Anne-Laure de Kumpf. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it, it's on her um, website called Nest Labs, N-E-S-S Labs. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes too. And I'm so intrigued by this. Um, I'll, let's see. Yeah, uh, I'll offer a brief quote from her article. So she says, if you have one or several ambitious goals such as learning how to code, studying a new language, writing a book, um, growing a newsletter, becoming a designer, you may want to consider making a pact 
as an alternative to SMART goals. Okay, so what I love about her thoughts on this is that SMART goals focus on the outcome while making a pact with yourself focuses on your actions. Um, To quote from her article again, she says, it's about continuous growth rather than the pursuit of a well-defined achievement. So this is exciting to me because this lines up with a lot of the work I've been doing and looking at goal setting and project management with Tara McMullen. It's a way to reframe goal setting. You may be saying, well, you may be saying, uh, you know, what the heck are you talking about, Yvonne? Okay, I'm going to tell you. I'll define this for you. The PACT method, P-A-C-T, stands for purposeful, actionable, continuous, and trackable. What I love about this method is that it starts with purpose. It starts with looking at why a goal is meaningful to you. Because again, if you don't really care, it makes it a lot harder to stick to it when the going gets rough. The next element of a pact is that the focus is on your actions instead of your outcomes. So I don't know about you, but I'm really trying to learn how to embrace the journey over the destination. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I am. Um, The C in pact stands for continuous, meaning that it's about the actions being simple and repeatable continuously. It's about continuous improvement rather than reaching a supposed end goal. Um, Here's an example from my life. One of my goals for this podcast is to grow the audience, of course, because I want to reach more like-minded people and connect them to inspiration for where they want to go in the next stage of their life. Now, I can randomly say that I have a goal of a thousand downloads per episode, but the truth is I have no control over how many people are listening to this podcast. What I do have control over is producing a quality show every week and taking every action I can think of to reach new audience members. The last element of a pact is that it's trackable. So to highlight the difference, a smart goal for growing my audience would assign a number of subscribers and a time limit. So for instance, to get 1,000 subscribers in 26 weeks. The packed version would be to produce and promote 26 episodes of my podcast over the next 26 weeks to the best of my ability. See, see, I have control over producing and promoting the podcast. I don't have control over how many people subscribe and listen. And the thing is, I can tell you a secret. I love producing this podcast. I am learning so much while I do it. And I'm learning from every person I interview, and I love doing the research to find guests. So even if I don't see the audience growth I think I want, I'm still getting huge personal growth and satisfaction from the process of doing this. So it's really about purpose and growth. That being said, um, so I think what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to approach my goal setting, depending on the goal, using both methods. But in either case, I'm going to really think about why I'm setting any particular goal. And hey, by the way, I would love to hear from you about how you approach this. If you have like 
tips or tricks or lessons learned, please drop me an email to latebloomerliving at gmail.com. Um, before I go, I want to talk about what to do when you fall off the horse, so to speak. And it will happen, right? We all have patterns of self-sabotage. Um, those could include procrastination. It's a personal favorite. Perfectionism. Yeah, that's another personal favorite. Overcommitting. Boy, hello me. Um, negative self-talk. Comparing ourselves to other people. Overindulgence. Um, denying help. Do you recognize any of those? Uh I mean, you know yourself pretty well by now. I bet we could all sit down and make a list of our most common patterns of self-sabotage. And I think it would be worth doing to make that list. Not only to make the list, but to describe what it looks like when you are self-sabotaging. So you can recognize it when you're doing it. Ha ha. Um, Here's one. I do. I go to make a post on Facebook or Instagram to promote the podcast, let's say. And before I know it, I've been scrolling for 20 minutes. I, you know, yeah, you know, you know. I would classify that as procrastinating and maybe comparing myself to others. Happens all the time. So I would write procrastination on my list and then next to it I could write scrolling Facebook and Instagram or... Maybe another one, um, I listen to a podcast, you know, convincing myself that I'm doing research when truthfully, I could be producing my own show and I'm just using research as like uh, an excuse to, to not put myself out there, right? And then this is key. Ooh, this is good. Next to every item on the list that you identify, make a plan of action for how you're going to get past that stumbling block Um, For instance, if you know you have trouble getting, this is on a whole other thing, if you know you have trouble getting up to work out in the morning and you know that, like me, if you don't work out in the morning, it ain't going to happen, what you could do is make a plan to put your alarm clock across the room and lay out your workout clothes or anything else you need to be ready so that you can work out first thing in the morning. Maybe. Maybe try that. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's about all I have to say on this. I hope it was helpful for you. Uh, Take time for yourself, please. Be kind to yourself. Um, And really, my friend, I really want to thank you for hanging out with me on this podcast. And what I'm wishing for all of us is that we keep growing and keep learning from each other. Happy New Year. I'll see you on the flip side in 2021. Bye-bye.